The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. Today is Tuesday, November 26th, 2019. On this day in 1983, diamonds, gold, and cash worth 26 million pounds were stolen from a warehouse near Heathrow Airport in London. Today, the spoils of the Brinks Mat robbery are valued at around 86 million pounds, or over 100 million dollars. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're covering what British tabloids called the crime of the century, otherwise known as the Brinks-Matt robbery, named for the security companies charged with protecting the stolen valuables. Let's go back to London a little after 6.30 a.m. on Saturday, November 26th, 1983. Lead security guard Robin Risley poured himself a cup of tea and chatted with his co-workers before the morning's shift. Everyone was on time, except Tony Black, who hustled in a few minutes late, as usual. Risley thought about chastising Black, but decided to let it go. It was a Saturday, and the atmosphere was more relaxed than during the week. He drained his tea and was just starting to stand up for work when the door burst open. Within seconds, six masked men surrounded the guards, brandishing automatic weapons and yelling for them to get on the ground. Risley didn't hesitate to do as he was told. He had served in the army and knew the best option in a situation like this was to do exactly what the thugs demanded. But another of the guards, Peter Bentley, didn't comply so quickly. When he failed to immediately drop to the floor, one of the masked men pistol-whipped him on the back of the head. He fell to the floor in a heap. The robbers put hoods over the faces of the guards, cuffed their hands behind their backs, and duct-taped their feet together. Risley was stunned by the speed of it all. It was clear the thieves knew exactly what they were doing and did it all with military efficiency. Risley struggled to maintain his composure as he laid on the floor. As the crew lead, he was one of the two guards who knew the combinations to the underground vault, and he knew the thugs would be targeting him soon. As if on cue, one of the robbers yelled for Robin Risley. Risley hurriedly responded, hoping to keep the thieves calm by continuing to do what they asked. Still hooded, they dragged Risley to a back office and demanded the codes to the vault. Risley told them he had the combinations, but the two doors leading to the vault required more than just codes. They needed keys, which were held by another of the guards, Mike Scouse. 
But the robbers were already one step ahead of Risley. They already had Scouse in the room, hooded and bound right next to him. Before either man could say more, the thugs soaked both Risley and Scouse in gasoline. The smell wafted through the hood and made Risley's eyes water. He started to shake as the masked men told him what would happen if an alarm was tripped when they tried to open the vault. They promised Risley they would light a match and burn both him and Scouse alive. Needless to say, Risley took the threat to heart. He struggled to keep himself calm as the thieves dragged him and Scouse down to the vault and yanked off their hoods. The light stung Risley's eyes, and he had to squint for a moment to see the keypad in front of him. He punched in the code to the first door slowly, making sure each number was correct, while one of the thugs turned Scouse's key. The next few moments were tense as Risley listened for the sound of the door unlocking, praying he'd entered the code correctly. Finally, it unlocked, and Risley was faced with another door and keypad. He entered the second code while the next key was turned. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, the vault opened before him. The masked men rushed into the vault, shoving Risley along with them. They directed him straight to three large safes in the back of the room. This was their goal. The thieves were confident at least three million pounds in cash were kept in the safes. They knew Risley had the combinations, and they demanded he open them. Risley shook uncontrollably as the men shoved their guns in his face and screamed at him. Only days before, the safe combinations had been changed, and suddenly... He couldn't remember them. He felt a chilling sense of dread creep up his spine. His stomach knotted and twisted. He knew if he couldn't remember the codes, he would be killed. He trembled and racked his brain, but no numbers came to mind. After almost 20 minutes of stalling, the masked men realized Risley wasn't going to remember the codes. Two of them grabbed him by the neck and angrily dragged him out of the vault. Risley gritted his teeth. His mind raced. He believed he was being dragged to his death. Before he could think of some way to save himself, the men arrived at a closet. They opened the door and Risley saw his fellow security guard, Tony Black, handcuffed inside. The thieves threw Risley in the closet with Black and locked them both up. Risley shuddered, and he took a deep breath once the door was closed. It seemed they weren't going to kill him. Yet. Downstairs, the robbers were at a loss. They debated cutting their losses and leaving without the money. But amongst the piles of less valuable goods in the vault, one of them spotted a pallet stacked with plain gray containers. With few other options, the thieves started searching through the containers 
and audibly gasped at what they found. Coming up, the conclusion of one of the largest robberies in British history. Now, back to the story. On the morning of November 26, 1983, six masked men raided a secure London warehouse. The robbers moved with startling efficiency and gained access to the vault below the warehouse in just half an hour. But once inside, the thieves were stuck. The lead security guard, Robin Riceley, couldn't remember the combinations to the safes inside the vault. With few options, the thugs searched a stack of nondescript gray containers stashed in a corner. Inside, they found three tons of pure gold, today worth over $100 million. The robbers were floored. They'd been expecting to score only a fraction of the treasure that lay before them now. Using a forklift, they hurried to haul the gold up to their van. Over an hour later, they exited the warehouse and sped away, leaving the security guards bound and hooded on the floor. The thieves got away clean, but within 30 minutes, one of the guards managed to free himself from his restraints and call the police. The investigation proceeded slowly at first, but after 10 days, detectives discovered one security guard, Tony Black, had worked for the robbers as an inside man. He gave the police the names of three of the six thieves, all of whom had long criminal histories. The other three men eluded detection, largely through sheer luck, as police surveillance lost a promising lead while tracking one of their vehicles. In 1984, Tony Black and the three other suspects were put on trial. Black was given six years in jail thanks to his cooperation with authorities. Two of his named associates, a criminal named Mickey McAvoy and Black's brother-in-law, Brian Robinson, were sentenced to 25 years in prison each. The third suspect, a man referred to as Tony White, was acquitted after police lost a signed copy of his confession. But that's far from the whole story of the Brinks-Matt robbery. Though four of the six thieves were never convicted, they weren't the only ones involved in the crime. Because the original gang had been expecting to steal cash rather than gold bullion, they lacked expertise in melting down and selling the ill-gotten gold. To get rid of the bullion, they enlisted the help of shadowy figures like Kenneth Noy, well known in the underground for his expertise in fencing stolen goods. Noy sold off the gold, but as he tried to pump a large amount of the dirty money back into the legitimate market, the Bank of England noticed. They quickly alerted police, who placed Noy under surveillance. After enough evidence was gathered, Noy was convicted of conspiracy in 1996 and was sentenced to 14 years in prison. He eventually secured an early release, but wasn't out for long. In 1996, he murdered 21-year-old Stephen Cameron in a bout of road rage and ran from police. 
He wasn't caught until 1998, when Spanish police arrested him in the town of Barbate and extradited him to Britain. Noy was subsequently sentenced to life in prison, but was released once again in June of 2019 at the age of 72. Noy was only one of many criminals suspected of trafficking the gold, some of whom have met early deaths, leading to rumors of the curse of Brink's Matt. Though it's true some have met untimely ends, some evidence suggests just as many criminals got away, scot-free. Even today, there's much we do not know about the Brinks Matt robbery. More than two-thirds of the stolen gold has never been found. More than likely, it will never be recovered. Lost in a series of shady deals and phony paperwork, while it's yet to be seen whether Brinks Matt truly was the crime of the century, its consequences are certainly felt today, nearly four decades later. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Paul Mahler. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Terrell Wells, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 